I'm Sophia. I'm an organisational psychologist and a career and life coach. I want to help people to build the lives that they want to have and the careers that they want. In this podcast, I talk about big topics that help us to develop more meaning and purpose in our lives and our careers and maximise our potential. Always remember, life is too short to be unhappy at work. And start before you are ready, just like I'm doing. You will learn and you will figure it out on the way. Wow, what an episode this is. I'm actually really proud of this episode because we are talking about topics that do not usually get airtime. I have realised that we do not talk about young professional women enough. Being a young professional woman is powerful and energising. Young women can have such a powerful voice, a spark, an edge that others could not convey if they tried. We can develop impactful confidence to speak with conviction and authority, to overcome our tendencies, to use softening language, to have impact as young leaders in the workplace and to achieve our potential. I am proud to be harnessing the voice of young women who are becoming who they want to be. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed the conversation. We're going to hear from one really interesting young woman who is a senior leader and has enormous potential. You can find me on LinkedIn, Sophia Nichols, or on Instagram, findyourpotential.sophia, where you can follow some of the really exciting work that is coming this way. I hope you enjoy the episode. So I'd like to welcome Freya. Hi, Freya. Hello. Welcome. So Freya, I've invited Freya on to this podcast because she inspired me, actually, mostly because of the position she's got to and what she is doing and what she has achieved at the age of 25. There's a real maturity about her and an intellect and also just really lovely, relaxed, down-to-earth personality. And we met about, about a few years ago now, but prior mm. to COVID, prior to the lat other world. And we were just having a catch up because you were querying me on my career and uh, it, we, were, we were working in the NHS together. We didn't know each other, but you wanted to ask questions about my career because you were kind of interested in going down the same route as me. And uh, we had a catch up then. And you then got in touch recently and it was great to hear from you. And I was amazed to hear and see that you have started up your own business as well as what you've been doing in your main career. And I was just like, oh, my days. Wow. I was, and I just I know like I need to find out more. So thank you so much for coming on. In terms of uh, what you've done in your career so far, I'll let you describe it a wee bit. But just as an overview, Freya's had a great start to her career by joining the NHS graduate programme. You studied at Leicester University, I believe. You've recently graduated from the NHS graduate programme and you've secured a role as a senior leader in the NHS since then. And 
not only are you operating at such a senior level at the age of 25, you've also set up and established your own coaching business on the side, specifically for the graduate market. So a side business whilst working full time. Freya has huge potential and I wanted to invite her on to explore her, sto her story and understand her experience as a female leader with significant influence and power in, in the truest and most positive sense in terms of power to influence change and the potential of the power that she will have in her career. So welcome Freya, do you want to say a bit about what you do now? Yes, thank you. Um, and thank you for the lovely introduction. Um, <laughs> lots to live up to now. Um, <laughs> but yes, no, thank you. So, so yeah, we met, I think it's like sort of three, three years ago now. Um, it has been, has gone quickly in the NHS. So we both kind of come from a psychology space. So I did a, yeah, you're right, a psychology degree at, um, at Lancaster University didn't go quite as far as yourself down down that path but kind of still have a, an interest in psychology um joined a graduate scheme straight out of of university and then yeah progressed into a uh, a senior leadership role within within the NHS and kind of worked in lots of different areas of the NHS um realized that I really love working with people and teams and started to do a little bit of kind of good give back and, and outreach work specifically working with graduates and and that kind of grew into yeah, let's talk about work which is my coaching and mentoring business where I specifically focus on helping graduates and students to navigate their careers really so it can be anything from people who have no idea what they want to do after university um, and kind of working through that really complex and confusing space to people who have a really clear plan but just need a little bit of kind of support working through the steps to to get there things like interview prep and, and CV prep so yeah that's that's what I do outside of work and I'm really enjoying getting to work with lots of graduates from lots of different backgrounds I'm learning all the time as well and um, being able to work with so many amazing people and I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast as well Sophia so it's a bit of a I'm a bit starstruck <laughs> being here today so I'm, I'm yeah I'm really happy to be involved. Well I'm, I'm really interested to explore your experience as a young woman so whilst you have been prepared by the graduate program you've gone through a world-class development program it's extremely hard to get into it's very competitive you've gone through that so you've got you've had the training and the upskilling and the knowledge etc required to perform well in the NHS however you are still a young female and you are in a position of influence and power as I say and that will only continue to grow so I'm what is it like being a senior leader as a young woman in your 20s tell me yeah no and that's a you know really interesting question so when I was in my final year of university and I'd kind of reached that point where I needed to think about what I wanted to do next I was very much torn between carrying on and doing further study or, or 
or getting a job basically um getting onto a graduate scheme or, or looking for something similar and the the one this this one stood out to me um the nhs one and so i wanted to explore that and i kind of went through the the recruitment process i never really saw myself as a leader so if i think about like my friendship group i was never the the most you know loud or i never felt like i was the kind of the leader of the group and even at university really i never felt like i was a leader on the on the course or in the group programs and that kind of stuff but going through so so kind of going through the recruitment process for the graduate scheme i think i was a little bit surprised by the potential that other people saw in me i think i had a really typical view of what i thought leadership was i thought it was um you know being the the loudest person in the room being able to persuade other people and kind of get what you you know get what you want and so i was actually really surprised that i was getting further and further through the recruitment process and getting really good feedback about my leadership qualities um because i never really saw myself as a leader and i think that has prompted quite a bit of reflection in terms of what does it actually mean then to be, you know, like like your question, Sophia, what does it mean to be a senior leader as a young woman? And how does that look different from what a lot of people growing up see leadership as? And so if I look back to kind of what I was kind of like growing up and at university, because um, I've already said like I didn't see myself as being the the leader, I was potentially quite quite shy and reflective rather than being the big extrovert with lots of ideas and influence and persuasion power and something that I have always been sort of through school and through university is really hard working and motivated so I always knew that I wanted to do well at school um, and I think that's something that's been instilled in me through my sort of, sort of fam family relationships and so I have been, yeah, hardworking kind of with my, just wanting to get my head down and get the results that I wanted to out of the work. And I think that's really where that kind of mentality shifted into leadership, because if you want to work in a, a big organisation like the NHS, with so many different voices and priorities, all of which really matter and are really important, you kind of have to learn to lead others. You can't make those kind of positive changes on your own, just getting your head down, no matter how hardworking you are. And I think the turning point for me was during my degree, um, I did some work experience at the university, Lancaster University, where I was. So, so yeah, it's, it's a process. Um, I think, you know, what, it, what it's like to be a senior leader is, is a really... It's an interesting question. I think there is no, you know, this is what a senior leader should look like. I think it's it's learning how you can influence people in a positive way. Um, and I think that that's that's actually really fun and really enjoyable to be to be part of that process. I've met lots of interesting people um, from all different walks of life and being able to just truly listen to them take on board their experience and their knowledge and use that to 
think of ways to have a positive impact in the field that I work in I think to me that's what that's what senior leadership looks like and being a young woman in a leadership space it does give a different perspective to potentially others that that you're you're surrounded by and so I think that is not just interesting for me but is interesting for the people and the organizations that I I work with as well um you know it's it's not always easy like I said working with people from lots of different walks of life people all have their own backstory and whilst you know listening to people's experience is key people may not always want to open up and talk and share their ideas with you and so that's where you need to make that switch between you know growing up in that head down hard working mentality to kind of listening to people who know more than you and kind of learning from their experience so yeah it's it's different but it's a process and I'm learning about it and it's very fun (laughs) yeah so what you're saying is interesting to me because I've I've heard it before in some respects in terms of the experiences that other young women young professional women have and other women later on in their careers who are also leaders so there, it, it seems to be often that people that females that become leaders they they weren't necessarily dominating or acting as a leader in their personal life or as a as a kid or as a teenager they they've all they were just more likely to be hard working and conscientious like just like how you've described yet their academic ability and their hard work has got them into a position of power or influence and that's when they need to turn on the leadership side and the way you've described it is really interesting you've kind of just simplified what leadership is in your eyes in terms of being your ability to positively influence others so that's yeah really interesting how do you influence others you've not only got the age dynamic there's five generations operating in the lead in the workplace at the moment you are the lowest of that generation and you're also a female a, a young female as well so that comes along with other complexities and dynamics so how do you influence others as a leader yeah so i i think honestly there's there's influences so complex and really needs to be you know it's it's wholly dependent on the situation and the people that you're working with there's a lot um so so when i when you when you think about influence styles um i i see a lot of kind of support and tools and kind of webinars and stuff out there for young people and for women that's all around kind of how to be more assertive in the workplace or how to be more direct um, or how to be, you know, how to show your power and that kind of stuff. And I think that's a really interesting space because it's not necessarily where I feel like I fit. I don't necessarily resonate with that. So I think, you know, in my, in my personal life, as well as my professional life, I don't see myself as someone who is particularly assertive or particularly direct. And so, you know, part of me thinks, why should I become something that doesn't feel right and doesn't sort of sit well with me, just because it's kind of what people think leadership is. 
Um, so my perspective is, is is maybe different to what what other people might think. I I don't actually think that being direct or being assertive is is always the best the best way to go. I think when we when we think of people who are leaders, especially who pride themselves on being particularly assertive or particularly direct, maybe it's you know they we often hear the phrase of I say it how it is or. Um, I don't mess about. I just, I just get the job done. Um, I think that's what you, you know. You often hear of leaders who have that particular style, but I actually think that potentially not, not messing about or saying it how it is is it's a, it's a shortcut in a way. It's only half the story. You're, you're mm. not messing about because actually you're not getting, you're not taking in all the information from the people that you work with around you know, what actually do they need and what what helps them to work best. So, yeah, I, I think I influence by taking that time to support others, to understand what it what it is that we're working towards and how they can contribute in a in a meaningful way and then focusing on empowering them to grow and develop so that they can contribute in the best way. I think as a leader, if you're not messing about um, with all that kind of stuff you, you're almost doing you know half a job you might be getting something done on the surface but you're actually not creating that you know team environment and team cohesion that people need to be able to do things in in an effective way um without you being you know directive and assertive all the time and I also think that that kind of impression of you know being direct and assertive it can it can be used to kind of get away with if you like behaviors that might come across as rudeness um mm. and i think often you know in in working environments when people do come across as as rude and i i've been in situations before you know where somebody has talked to me in a particular way and i've you know, actually, it's made me feel really rubbish. Um, and I think it's not not because they, you know, intentionally wanted to hurt me. I think it's potentially because, you know, they've got lots of different priorities going on. And the easiest and quickest route is, like I said, to, to say it how it is and to not mess about. And so in that situation, they've not necessarily considered what my approach is and how I might respond to that. And so being direct in that way, you know, actually can be really harmful to the emotional well-being of the people around you. And obviously that's not just, you know, it's not just people's emotions at the end of the day. It's, you know, our emotions impact how we work as well. So if you want a high performing team, being direct and assertive to them all the time is potentially not going to get you where you want to. And, you know, it's 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 not just... You know, it's not just women who are affected by by that you know if you men also are affected by if people are you know if people behave in a in a way that is perceived as rudeness um so it, it's something that yeah it's something that resonates a lot with me mm. I don't know yeah gone <laughs> yeah I guess it's an overarching question isn't it of how we have impact as young professional women because there is research that talks about 
the impact that we have and mm -hmm. it basically we can be underestimated and they link this to tone and voice and depth of voice so people will notice we have higher voices and I love my voice I'm proud to have my voice but the research suggests that we will be more likely to take a voice of our pitch and our tone less seriously than the voice of a man. So, so basically, if we were to be on the radio, we would have to, in order to, for us to be taken seriously by the listener, we would have to prove ourselves by the content of our, our talk. We'd have, we'd, we'd be starting mm -hmm. Our, their default position would be to not take us seriously until we proved ourselves. And the difference is that with a male voice, they will take it seriously as a default. So they've take, they've heard the voice, they've taken you seriously, and then they'll listen to what you say. But a, a, a female voice needs to be proved to be worthy of listening to by what she says. So it's it's these subtleties. There's so much research around this. And that's combined with the fact that we as women, because of the way we've been treated and the social norms that have been engendered within us, we are more likely to use softening language. So I'm sorry, but I would just like to say this, you know, apologizing before you've even put your point of view out or in an email. I just want to say this. Would it be okay, you know, it's a, this this over politeness that women feel like they need to do as though as as we need to excuse ourselves before we actually state our opinion. And this is there's a lot of research behind this. And I think a lot of female listeners will notice how much they use softening language, how they can dampen their impact in a meeting if they speak out. If you start your statement with an apology for speaking you are absolutely undermining what you're about to say and the impact that you're about to have and the authority that you have, rather than just going out and saying it with conviction, confidence and a level of directness. And one of the things I wanted to explore with you is the wonderful things about being a young professional woman, because there's so much research that shows the challenges. But I love being a young professional woman. I love being, I love mm -hmm. having a leadership position as a female, a position of influence. I, I, I love my, I love being young. I feel dynamic. I love going against the grain and the research. So I, I will state my opinion with authority. I practice cutting out softening language. You know, I enjoy saying the elephant in the room when everybody else is too scared to say it and I will just say it and I'll be bold. You know, I love playing around with that and going against the grain almost. I love applying for jobs that I'm not qualified for. You know, there's a difference there in terms of men will be more likely to apply for a job that they're like 40 to 50% qualified for and women will only apply for jobs that they are 80 to 90 percent qualified for you know on average generally but so I'm just like you know <laughs> going against the grain in that respect so you can really it's you can be very impactful and you can have a lot of influence as a young female woman if you enjoy it if you have fun with it if you trust yourself if you have confidence in yourself so I, I, how do you what do you love about being 
a young professional woman. Yeah, so I I I love that, and it's definitely something that that resonates with me. Um, I, I've been in these those kinds of of situations too, and I think that it's a very kind of getting to grips with where that line is between obviously what I, what I spoke about before and how you know I don't always think that direct and assertive traditional perceptions of direct and assertive leadership are the best thing, and I think that there's lots of room for the you know the the fluffy stuff what people might say they're getting to know your team and just generally treating people with respect I think that we can't undermine the value in that um but then at the same time like you said how do you not overdo that and soften your language so much that it becomes unreputable and it becomes you know something that just people don't listen to or, or don't respect And for me, it's about being honest and vocal in a considerate way. I think it's really important for young women to speak out in a clear way that lets people know when you have a different perspective from them. I think, you know, there's there's definitely situations in my early career where I took the... I relied heavily on the expertise of people who were older than me or people who had more experience, who I thought must know better than me Mm -hmm. Um, and potentially just kind of, you know, took that on the chin and moved on with my work. Whereas there would have been so much more benefit, not just for me and my leadership journey, but the people around me and the organisations that I worked in. If I voiced, actually, I think something different um, and, you know, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to sit in a room with your CEO and say, you know, I think we should do this differently and the whole organisation is going to change because of a result of it. But I think you have to at least give yourself as a young female leader the opportunity to put that on the table and put your perspective there so that, you know, you're, you're not doing yourself an injustice by kind of keeping it in and not voicing it. Um, so I think absolutely um there there is something about being really intentional and clear with our language um Mm. that being said I also think that I personally don't want to lose the you know I I pride myself on the way that I do interact with people and the respect that I show for people in my in my conversations and the relationships that I build with them you know I don't want to kind of lose that because it's not seen as something that typical leaders do um I mean we all have you know we've all probably worked in in power dynamics where you get a a two-word email from somebody in response to something that you've worked for four weeks on and it just feels rubbish so you know I want to I'm very very conscious of keeping hold of the you know the the elements of communication that are potentially the you know the the fluffy stuff if I know that they're adding value to the relationship that I'm trying to build whilst also being really clear and intentional about what my perspectives are and what I think um about the the situation Mm -hmm. so some of the research that I've quoted and talked about a lot of it is captured in the book the authority gap by Mary Ann Seahart. And it, so it's, the book's called The Authority Gap, Why Women Are Still Taken Less Seriously Than Men. 
and what we can do about it. What's interesting about this book is that it was published in 2021. So it's super current and it provides a lot of current research in terms of why women are still taken less seriously than men and how we can be overlooked. And But as I, as I said, I think we can have so much power and, and influence as young women, especially as it's becoming normalised to, to see role models and females in positions of power. That, that's a massive step towards equality. But in terms of just to reiterate some of the um, research in this book, it's literally quite striking and it absolutely infuriated me. And I just want to mention some stuff because it's really good mm -hmm. to know about this and be aware of it. But, uh, but this is how pervasive inequality is and the bias, the implicit subliminal bias and our perceptions of females versus men. It's just absolutely mind-blowing and horrific. But mm -hmm. I just want to name some stuff. So, um, so I mentioned voice, I mentioned tone. Women are more likely to be interrupted than men. Women are more likely to not be listened to and talked over in a meeting than a man. Mm. That's massively quoted in her book. And then women in positions of power are seen as less likable than men with the same level of power. So you've got a man and a woman in the same leadership role doing the same job with the same power, same influence, but the woman is less liked than the man by both men and women. Both men and women are likely to see that woman as less likable. And I think this is personally, I think this is because traditionally we would associate power with men and not women. And we're still not fully used to it yet. Mm. And the female leader in power is more likely than a man to have her authority challenged even today. And the worst thing about this all is that it all, it all stems from the playground and it stems from childhood. And it's, this is where it's kind of founded and we can see it engendered within boys and girls. And it's reinforced massively by parents. So parents, be aware. In the playground, we believe boys are superior to girls from the outset. There's no difference between, in terms of IQ between the genders. However, girls do outperform boys academically overall. But even at the age of five, boys will rate themselves and other boys as smarter than girls. So boys will rate themselves as smarter than girls and they will grow up thinking they are cleverer than girls, even though the girls are outperforming the boys at that stage. So, and it's a massive problem and it's reinforced by parents who treat their children differently. They treat boys differently to girls, even though they try not to, but yeah, it's just... Yeah, and they're more likely to estimate the IQ of their boys to be significantly higher than the girls, even though there's no difference. And Americans are 2.5 times more likely to Google, is my son gifted than is my daughter gifted? So yeah, I could go on. I could go <laughs> on, Freya. So this is why I want to ask and discuss why it's wonderful to be a female and why it's wonderful, wonderful to be a female woman. A female, a female leader. <laughs> what am I on about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's really interesting. The research. I think, kind of, as you go through it, 
you know, as a young female leader, you do think about how that applies to your life and kind of anecdotally, can you see the, the parallels with it? And I think, you know, definitely in terms of what you said around, you know, in the education system, we do see young girls outperforming young boys. And I think that that resonates with me being someone that was, you know, really hard working through school. I think probably had like one detention in the entire time. I was very like typical of the, you know, just get your head down, do the work, get good grades and you'll you'll go on and you'll get a good job. Whereas, you know, I saw other people um, around me who, you know, and it anecdotally, obviously, it tended to be, it wasn't always, but boys who would be a little bit more cheeky in lessons, perhaps give a bit more challenge back, um, get used to kind of speaking and being vocal in those sort of classroom discussions, being the kind of class clown. Um, and obviously, it wasn't always boys that took that role, but, it, you know, more so. Um, and I don't know whether that relates to, you know, some of the academic um, barriers face. I don't know. But but what I'm saying is when you finish school and you move on to getting a role, for myself and potentially based on that research, many other young women, it's a challenge to make that shift to them becoming a leader um, versus just getting your head down. Whereas, you know, potentially mm. boys are more prepared for that type of you know leadership role because yeah is that <laughs> I mean obviously that's anecdotally but kind of you do start to draw some of them parallels listening to you kind yeah. of read some of that some of that stuff out and the other thing that really landed with me was around interruptions um mm. so I, I honestly never thought about this being a you know a, a, a gender thing before and you know maybe, maybe it is maybe it isn't but it definitely kind of supports some of that research that you were saying um within the public sector because of the system that we're working in you know ultimately we're, we're there to provide care to people um and so one of the key sort of golden threads that that goes through all of our work is how does that, this impact on the patient? How does this impact on their family? And so storytelling is such a powerful tool in the public sector um, because it enables you to really, as a leader, create that vision and rally people and, and kind of you know, deliver that, that good work and that positive change. Um, and I've met some really interesting people who do storytelling really well um, and kind of, you know, once they've got the floor and they're telling that story, everyone just kind of sits back and, and, and listens and is kind of hanging on their, their every word almost. Um, and if I think back to, so to someone who did that really well, um, it, you know, it, it was a man, um, but they, they um, I was so captivated by what it was that they were saying. I was hanging on every word and I was, you know, just just waiting for the kind of the next bit of the story. Um, and if I think about when I'm in those situations, I mean, A, I rarely have the confidence to tell a story in front of people anyway. I think naturally I feel like, you know, no one wants to listen to this. Um, <laughs> but when when I do, when I do have the confidence to, you know, something 
something particularly interesting has happened in my home life or whatever and I feel like actually this is something that I can build some suspense and some story around I still feel like I rush it I don't leave the pauses because I just want to I'm so scared that someone will interrupt or someone will lose interest that it's over in 60 seconds and the impact is like zero compared to you know other stories that I've heard (laughs) oh my days you've hit the nail on the head we do not feel worthy of taking up the Mm airtime so we rush it yeah so we speed up it comes from we haven't been the ones who were talking we were more likely as as children to be the one that was more quiet academic keeping our heads down keeping ourselves to ourselves you know with the exceptions obviously I'm speaking in general terms so we're not comfortable owning that space storytelling Mm. taking up space leaning back taking a big deep breath and taking your time over a story it is so friggin' true and I know exactly I think I know who you're talking about with regards to this Mm -hmm. and I all yeah it's such a skill set and a skill set that isn't trained within us as a young age from a young age Mm. and you know that there's if you've ever been in that situation there's absolutely nothing more frustrating than you know having a burning story inside that you want to get out actually building up the confidence to say I am going to tell this story feeling terrified (laughs) while you're doing it rushing through (laughs) it getting to the end getting a few giggles a little bit of laugh feeling like you've built a rapport And then, you know, 10, 15 minutes later, somebody else really confidently taking the floor, summarising what you've just said, and then getting way more credit for it. And Mm -hmm. that really, to me, is that, you know, I understand it's all about delivery, but how do we, as female leaders, build that confidence in delivering what we want to say in a really clear and impactful way? Um, I think that's huge. Yeah, yeah, completely. And do you know what I'm thinking about? I'm having all sorts of revelations over here. <laughs> I'm thinking about humour. Mm-hmm. So one thing I find really hard is humour, performance humour. So hum- humour when you're presenting, humour when all eyes are on you, humour in a workplace setting. And I don't know if you noticed, but it comes naturally to some people. And from what I can see, it mostly comes more naturally to men. I know a, a, I know a number of really hilarious women, but I feel like this the, it's they're more of the exception than the rule. So so we haven't, because of our roles, you know, the way people treat us, all of the, you know, the social norms that that that, that unfold across our lives, we haven't had the opportunity or pushed ourselves to practice a skill of humour under performance, if you know what I mean. So, and I'm I'm, I'm making mm-hmm. that distinction under performance because with 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 my friends, with you know family, etc., I can be so stupid and silly and just like you know br- you know bring the mm-hmm. banter of all you know I just whatever I can be myself. But yeah. when some people are watching me, if it's a performance thing or a presentation or even this podcast, <laughs> the humour is gone. Like mm-hmm. it's so bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I um, studied an English module at university and we were literally like steered away from 
looking at humour because it's you know so complex you'll never get to the bottom of what makes something funny because it's so individual and personalised etc um but I did it anyway and I had a look at humour and it's really interesting how much shared experience underpins pretty much every every joke um, and I'm wondering whether that has something to do with it because you know if oh. if you're the sole young female leader in a room full of um, you know middle-aged white men who you potentially don't have that much in common with it's going to be harder to land a joke that gets laughs because actually you don't you know you don't have the same perspectives and experience um, and I don't know whether you whether you find this as well Sophia but I think when you get into those leadership positions especially as a young leader when you're um you're kind of you know building relationships with essentially you know other people who aren't the same age as you and who aren't potentially going through the same life experiences or are at the kind of same same stages you have to almost or I find myself having to navigate that humor space very differently and find kind of you know jokes and humor that lands well with that audience and kind of replicating that and it doesn't feel you know it doesn't feel authentic or genuine when I'm doing it all the time um but then I think when when I do have you know relationships at work where actually I have built a really long trusting relationship with somebody and I do find similarities between myself and themselves. I think that actually I'm quite good at the humour aspect of it. Mm. So I think for me, definitely that kind of absence of shared shared perspective and shared understanding really underpins why some you know, young female leaders struggle to win people and influence people through, through humour in the workplace. Oh my days, that's absolutely fascinating that the psychology of humour is based on shared experience and that's what makes you chuckle because it resonates with you Mm -hmm. and what a barrier if you are a young female woman and you're in a position of influence and everyone else has got a completely different background, Mm -hmm. you know, position, more powerful, more superior or just older yeah shared lack of shared experience yeah god what a not what a barrier yeah and it is it is really interesting I mean because you know I'm I'm 25 um I don't have any children I don't own my own home um you know so those kind of you know the big things that you you hear people talking about in meetings you know I you know it's interesting because when, when we jumped on the call today you know one of the first things I said was oh you know the boiler's broken in our house or having all these issues you know that's it's it's me in a sense but you know it's not my house it's not my boiler um you know it's kind of you you find the common ground that you think people will resonate with and you kind Mm. of build on those things and sometimes it can feel a little bit you know inauthentic because you know I'm I'm not leaving work and thinking about you know who's going to pick the children up or, you know, what I'm going to do to take care of the stuff I need to in the house or, you know, that kind of stuff. It just, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if that adds to the answer. (laughs) What I wanted to achieve with this conversation was repositioning the narrative Mm. that our time is now. 
there have never been more women in leadership positions. Yes, we have a long way to go. Yes, the pay gap is extraordinary. Yes, we are still using softening language. Yes, women are oppressed around the world in multiple, numerous different ways. But our time is now and it's, you know, in many ways, I wouldn't have wanted to be at this point in my career 20 years ago, 25 years ago. It's never been a better time to be a female in our culture, in our culture. You know, I emphasize, emphasize that. So so how, you know, what is the what's the takeaways from this conversation? How do we believe in ourselves? How do we have confidence? How do we hold our heads higher? How do we embrace, enjoy the nuances and the quirks that comes along with being a young woman? And how do you play on that and use it to your advantage? I know what would you what would be your top things just to close this, Freya, from from one young professional leader to another? What would you say? Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I think I think being a, a young female leader is so energizing and powerful. You know, there, there's so much going on in the world outside of what each typical person sees you know in their own lane if you like in their in their own lives and so through being a senior leader for a, a, a big organization you get to see the world through a completely different lens your perspectives almost broadened beyond what's going on in in your life and your friends and your family um and that reality that you're living right now to actually what's you know what's going on in in the in the wider world and it's really interesting to learn about um to, to learn about those things so for example i'm a i'm a governor for my local school and so i'm learning about like how a how the government works and how the kind of education and school system works um and just having that you know wider understanding of actually how things fit together um in the world gives you that a it's interesting but b it gives you the the skills and the confidence to be able to know what you're talking about when it comes to making that positive positive change um it helps you it helps you to connect with others um, and to see what's going on in the world outside of what you come into contact with um and it helps you to get outside of your own head a little bit um i think it's really good for your um for your mental health to broaden your perspective and have that kind of you know be able to see what's going on for other people as well as what's going on for you right now and I think for me being in that in that senior leadership role has been really eye-opening really interesting really insightful um some of the projects that I've had the opportunity to work on you know, I would never have come across them in my social life or, you know, had any kind of involvement with. And so it's 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 great to be able to be a part of them and to figure out how how different things work. And I think as you um, so in my in my friendship group, we all have kind of different, you know, hobbies and interests and things. Um, one of my friends is a teacher. And so her professional experience is completely different from from mine but we still have you know those shared experiences and things that we can talk about because of what I know about how they um how local systems and processes work and how the education system is structured and that kind of stuff and I think having being a leader 
and having those opportunities to see the world through different perspectives has helped me to not only connect with new people and people from different walks of life but also to the people who actually I'm closest to because I understand a little bit more about what it is that what it is that they're they're doing so I think you know if if there's anything that motivates young females to become leaders I think do it do it for interest do it for curiosity do it because you Mm. want to know more about the world and what's going on Mm. you know what's going on about it it what's going on in it um and yeah do it because you know because there is so much potential for young female leaders to make positive change um yeah go for it (laughs) yeah absolutely and I'd add to that and say trust yourself trust your unique perspective love who you are and what you bring to the team to the workplace because it is so fundamentally unique and so powerful and your voice is only going to get stronger you're only going to get more confident and this links to my other episode on overcoming self-doubt and overcoming conf- and, and, and improving your confidence if you want to know about tips and techniques around that check that episode out because that Matt focuses massively on helping you upskill your improve your confidence and manage and decrease your self-doubt and but I love what you're saying Freya around do it for interest and that also links to my last episode with Hannah <laughs> Furback she was saying she was just like well you need to do it because you love it and mm-hmm. and you know by playing on your strengths playing in areas of interest you'll naturally keep going and perform better when the time the times are harder and you're going through hot, rough times and you need to draw on your resilience if you love it and you're interested and you're curious and you've got an open mind you will be all right with trust and trusting yourself so thank yeah. you so much Freya absolutely and you know if if you're sat there thinking you know that that's all well and good but what what am I interested in like what do I want to do um please reach out because that's my my bread and butter is helping people figure out what it is that they're interested in what motivates them what makes them happy so that they can shape that into a yeah a wonderful career that they can really enjoy and and flourish in so yeah reach out don't don't sit there stressed and confused (laughs) absolutely absolutely that is that's the ultimate isn't it having a career that you love that you're interested in that you're passionate about it's the ultimate and it's it is unbelievably hard to achieve so getting the advice and support and every all help you can but thank you so much Freya I mean this conversation I absolutely loved it you as an individual yourself you've got such potential so watch this space people as <laughs> as, as as Freya works on her own business and you know climbs up the ranks in her career which is already ridiculously senior for a 25 year old so it's just so impressive and I love I loved uh, connecting with you and planning this podcast and working with you and I hope that we will continue to work together in fact I know we are so yeah no I I loved it thank you so much absolutely thank you so much for having me